Well, good morning, everyone. Ah, wasn't worship amazing? I tell you what, just the presence of the Lord. I love it when, when He just responds to the worship and the, the engagement and your 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 engagement, your pursuit, and as you're lifting up holy hands and calling out and declare, dec- declaring and man, pursuing Him, He meets you there. I I just love that, and I love to just be in the room when y'all are doing that because I, I am too. But how about that, I'll tell you what, it was really nice, was that, that lady that was just doing the announcements that brought me in, she's, I don't know, anybody have her number, I want it. <laughs> it's my wife, that's my wife, you're like, this is, what, what kind of place is this? That's my wife, her name is Allie, <laughs> she, uh, she helps me to become all that God created me to be, without a doubt, so, uh, uh, hey, we are uh, in our series, we started on Passover, which was Easter, and, uh, man, we had such a great turnout. There was 505 people that came and online as well. That was amazing. It's good, it's good to be reaching people with something that's so life-giving, just the message of Jesus, the simple message of Jesus and what he can do in our lives. And the, the feast, the, the message of feast that we were talking about building up, I think, uh, built up those who have been here for some time in preparation for Passover. I, I just have to thank everybody again for making everybody feel so welcome when they came in because those are that's the future members, future people of Thrive Community Church. And what happens is people come in, they're kind of testing the waters, and they're wondering. And so we want to make sure that they know that they're, they're, there's no difference. There's no difference. We're all people on a spiritual journey, filling out our next steps, just walking with the Lord, and they can start whenever they want. We're all together. We're all together. And so as, uh, as we normally say here, I've, there's, a, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you as well. Did we cover that? I'm sorry, I stepped out. Okay, good. Please fill that out. And if your information's changed, please fill that as well because you may be like, they don't, they don't send me anything. That's your old email address. That's why you don't get it. So if you'll update that for us, that'll help. But we are, and I want to welcome our online community again. It's uh, been a great showing since 2020, uh, but obviously there's nothing better than being in the house. Uh, I can get a little taste in there. I can probably worship in my pajamas. That's wonderful. I've done it. Please don't worship in your pajamas when you come here, Just but come, be, come back. Um, some of you thought, well, do I wear my pajamas today, or do I wear, what do I wear today? Don't wear your pajamas. Don't wear your onesie. And that's it. And especially if you're a dude, don't wear a onesie. All right. <laughs> We're talking about Passover, Pursuit, Pentecost. And so we're in the piece of, pa- of p- Pursuit. We talked about Passover, and then Pentecost will come. It's one of the feasts, the seven feasts that we hear about. It's the one that is just isolated, that doesn't have three inside of it. We talked about that on Passover. And so this week, we're talking about waiting for the promise. Waiting for the promise. Everybody just loves that, don't they? We're waiting for the promise. And so uh, the promise... As we know now, it was coming to Pentecost. And so it's 50 days after Passover, 49. It would be seven times seven weeks according to God's, God's law, his principle, his way of, of uh, designing Pentecost. Then plus one. So seven times seven, 49 plus one. Penti means 50, cost means day. 50 days. Pretty scary, huh? Some of you are like, I've heard Pentecost. He's talking about Pentecost right now. I've heard about those people. Um, nobody's going to be jumping over my chair. <laughs> Let one person try to do a Jericho march around there. I'm tripping them. They will not try it twice. <laughs> Don't worry. That's not what we're talking about. 
In fact, the people, the disciples, the 120 plus, had no paradigm of what would take place at Pentecost. They had no paradigm of what, what God would do. They had no paradigm. They had no idea what they were truly, when, when what they were waiting on would actually come. Jesus didn't say, go wait for Pentecost. He said, go to the city and wait. And there's the benefit of what they did, and that's what we're going to talk about today, what they did in the waiting that caused God to respond the way he had designed. And so uh, with a show of hands, how many people have ever waited on anything? All of us. How many people have ever waited on the person beside them? All of us. Without, how many people have waited on God before? All, I would think so. And in reality, as we discussed last service, we're all waiting. We're all in some, some form of waiting, whether we know it or not, God has us in a waiting period for the next thing that he's actually purposed for us to walk in. Some of us think we've arrived. Some of us think, man, I'm far from arriving. Some of us think, uh, I don't have anything to wait for. I've got it. it. But we're all, by God's design, in a process of waiting for the next thing that God has to, to provide for us and for us to walk in and fulfill. So uh, with that... I want you to remind you that God owns everything. He owns everything except for a watch. But, but yet, he's never late. Isn't that amazing? He owns everything but a watch. He's never late. There's a lot of elbowing going on in here. And he's always on time. This is amazing. How does he do it? When uh, Luke 24 through Acts 1 and Acts, and Acts 1 Jesus is recorded not by saying go, but wait. The writer of Luke and Acts, Luke was the name of the author, the writer rather, Jesus is the author, says, wait, go to the, wait in the city. Well, that's exciting. So Jesus was on the earth 40 days in his resurrected body, and then on the day 40, he tells the disciples, hey, go to the city and wait. Just, just wait. For what? Just, just wait. And so for 10 days, they go, and they're waiting. However, they had no idea how long they would be waiting. He just said, wait. It could have been indefinite from their understanding. We're just waiting. I don't know what he's waiting for. I don't know. It was what they were doing in the waiting that God had desired and designed to, to respond from. Luke 24, 49 says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay. Gives them a little idea of, here's what we're going to be waiting for. Here's what we're going to be looking for. Acts 1, 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. Do you know what I hate? Waiting. I hate even more when I make a reservation somewhere and I hurry up, and it's a miracle to hurry up with your wife and kids, by the way, and I hurry everybody up to get there on time, and they tell me, wait. And I can't say anything because I'm the pastor in town, and nobody can see me go up and say, I don't need to be waiting because I've already made a reservation. So I just got the joy of the Lord. Just got to carry the joy. All right, wait, all right. We're waiting, kids. 
they're acting bad and wild because I rushed to get them there and we're just going to wait. <laughs> I hate it. But why did Jesus make the disciples wait? We're going to talk about where, we're going to talk about how, and we're going to talk about why. Number one is where did Jesus, where did they wait? Where did he have them wait? And the answer is not the upper room. The first of you like, upper room? Upper room, baby. Whoo, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Upper room, no. It was not in the upper room. Acts 1, 12, 3, 13, 12 through 13 says this. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were, they were just staying there. They were just, that's where they, that's where they spent the night where they were staying. And this is one reason people think that they were waiting in the upper room. Like they, the, for 10 days, indefinitely, they go to the upper room is what people think. Uh, they called DoorDash. That's how they got their food. They didn't leave. Might miss it. Don't want to miss the promise. We're going to hang out here. They did all their workouts by Beachbody.com so they were able to pipe in. It's good Wi-Fi. No. They stayed. It's like, where are you staying at tonight? Well, I'm going to stay at the, I'm going to stay at the Holiday Inn, but I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to be over here, and then we're going to go eat here. But they just stayed. Let's just, they just stayed the night. That's where they were sleeping in the upper room. Now, let me explain the Sabbath day's journey. Well, by law, they could only go three-quarters of a mile so far to protect themselves from overworking. So 2,000 cubits or 1,000 man steps, that was, that was what the Pharisees said, well, this will do. Outside of this, you're sweating and you're working. You shouldn't be doing it. What they were doing is putting legalism, religion was putting legalism around a principle that God was saying, I just want this for relationship. I want you to get away from your own works and your own thing, the things you want to do on this day so you'll just spend time with me. This is the point in the Sabbath. And I want you to know that all through Scripture, these things happen. They take place where we get it out of context, and Jesus is just trying to spend time with us. So we mentioned the upper room, but that's not where they were where the full 10 days. Luke 24, 52, and 53 says this, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God, amen. They were continually in the temple. I'm just trying to get people to church one day. <laughs> and they were, oh, they didn't, y'all didn't like that? You're in the waiting, but you don't like how God designed wait. They were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God, Amen. Most of the time, they were in the temple, but they were also staying in the upper room. The church began in the temple and then in the house. It continued in the temple and in the house. If you only go to the temple one day, to church one day, and you don't have church the other six days in your house, you're missing something. In the same way, if you only go to church in your house and you never show up in the building of the church where it assembles, you're missing something. And so God designs that in our waiting for the next thing, the next move, the promise, the vision that he's given you, oh, God's gave me a vision. He told me what to do. I know what I'm going to be doing. And so we start to go after it. He said, I didn't, I didn't say go after it. It's clunky. It, everything breaks down. It doesn't work. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm mad. It's everybody else's problem. They're holding me back. Yada, yada, yada. I'm grumbling. He didn't say go. He said, wait. 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 
this continued in the temple and in the house. Acts 2.46 says this, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It's just simple. Like, come in, let's worship together. Let's spend some time on the word. Let's get our kids growing. Let's fellowship. Let's encourage one another. Let's go to house to house and just do life together. The simplicity of heart. It's just relationship with Christ. He made it really easy. Acts 5.42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They were spreading it. I can't tell, wait to tell you about Jesus. The conversation was just about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did in my life. Let me tell you how I was before, but Jesus. Whew. Let me sum up the great, command, the great commandment whenever uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to him and said, Well, Jesus, which one is the greatest commandment of them all? Let me tell you. He said, one, love your God like you love yourself and love your neighbor. So it comes down to this. Let me sum it up. Love God. Be in relationship with God continuously and with the people of God, with godly people. How do I wait? In relationship with God and in relationship, community, unity with godly people. Oh, I don't mind going to church, but woof, I'm church folk. Maybe why you're still waiting. I don't mind going to the house and talk about Jesus, but woof, going to church. Maybe why you're waiting. So where do we wait when we are waiting on God? Not only in the temple, not only in the house. In relationship with God, devotion with God, and in relationship, community, doing life with other believers, with God's people. That's how we do it. I heard an analogy that I want to share with you, and it's, it's funny how the world just takes things that God does, and we think it's so phenomenal because technology or the world is doing it. Wow, oh great. God's been doing that for a long time. He created that. You're amazed by that? And whenever you ever, you ever travel somewhere, you, or you say you're on a flight, or you're tired of people just texting you or, or calling out to you, and you put your phone in airplane mode, I get no longer receiving. Sorry, I can't. I'm on an airplane. Or you're actually on an airplane, and you're going somewhere, and you can't wait to land and get into some kind of signal just pre-landing so you can just press that airplane, turn it off, and maybe in the last hour, somebody texts you or there's a new message or, or something happened differently on Facebook. But what happens is it says searching, dot, 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 searching, dot, 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 searching, dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, dot means for a connection. And you know that God designed us the same way. In fact, that's where he, they, they got it. We, we are searching. He designed us to be searching for a connection with God and with godly people. We're constantly searching, longing, whether we will ever admit it or not, Beyond all the things we cover that up with, ultimately our souls and our spirit, which he jealously longs for, is searching for a connection with God and searching for intimacy and connection with godly people. So on these two principles, on these two principles hang the whole word of God. It's all summed up right there. With God and with godly people, God's people, his children. Everything else in the word is telling us how we can be, how we do that. It's not, that it's not that hard. It's pretty simple. It's the sincerity of heart of the gospel. And so that was number, number one, why 
I'm sorry, where? And number two is how. How did they wait? Acts 1.14 says this, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Philippians 4, I was reading this morning in my own personal time of devotion, and Paul writes to the, to the Philippians, or to Philippi, says prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. So I'm, I need to be thankful in thanksgiving, and I'm offering up prayers and supplication. Supplication to me, be fervent in prayer. Like, I'm, just, I'm not giving up. It's not a one-shot. It's not a single-shot shotgun. It's like, yeah, I shot up a prayer. Deuces, Lord. No, it's, it's, in, it's fervently praying and communicating with the Lord. It's seeking his face. It's being in devotion. It's being in communication. It's walking with God. Fervent. Prayer, supplication. Prayer is a very important benefit of the church. Prayer allows us to communicate with God. Prayer allows us to take these burdens that we so carry that look like they're on our face. You can, you can tell when somebody's got a burden. Ooh, check your face. And so, <clears throat> and then and take them and actually hand them to the Lord. And then in, re, in return, he gives us revelation on things that he's trying to work on in our soul, in our mind, so that we can transform, be transformed to the image of Christ. And he says, let me have this. I will give you revelation of this so that you can learn how to handle this circumstance, no longer with that, but with this new revelation. And when you handle a situation according to the revelation that God gives you, he makes things just open up. Circumstances change because we're now willing to walk out his kingdom, his will in our situation. This is a lot better than y'all's response. Amen is good. You can clap at any time. Just don't let the Jericho march thing get you thrown off. Just don't be a distraction. You might get tripped in these concrete floors. But an amen is good. Amen. Don't be mad at the messenger. It's from the Lord. And if you don't pray, you'll still have the burden. Hmm. So instead of waiting on God, you'll be waiting. I'm on, catch me. I'm about to do some interchanging here, some playing on words. W-A-D-I-N-G, like a duck hunter and his waiters, in the cesspool of your fear, your worry, anxiety, your grumbling, your groveling, your complaining. Walk in a room, just got it all over you. What's wrong? I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, no, you're, you're waiting in your junk. Like if I go to prayer and I got all that stuff on me and those burdens and I leave prayer at intimate time with the Lord and I leave that place and I'm still the same, I didn't pray. I just went to the Lord and complained. In a, I went to a room and complained. I threw a fit. I grumbled. I showed how, how much is in my heart. I revealed the toxicity. And then I left with the very same thing. Dang. Chest deep. Mm. Waiting in my stuff. I hope there's not a hole in these waiters. Now I hope it doesn't go over these bibs. We have to get a onesie. You're gonna get that kind of one. A waiting onesie. <laughs> oh man, prayer is how we transfer the burden to God, and in return, He gives us revelation. This is the process of perseverance. This is the process of waiting. I'm waiting on the Lord. How are you waiting? I'm waiting by allowing the stuff to come up to the top, and then I'm handing it to him, and I'm asking him, Lord, change my heart. Transform me. Beyond all the circumstances and situations around me, they don't change until this changes right here. This changes, and then these things start to change. 
And the kingdom of God flows from earth on heaven because I allowed God to transform my heart, which was his design from the beginning. And no man can close that door and no man can open that door until I'm ready to allow my heart to be changed for that situation. Man, yes. I went to a men's conference. There was 25 of us. I'm frisky. I'm just feeling it. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's one of the first times you're like, mm-mm, ain't coming back. Acts 7.55. Stephen prayed as he was being stoned. And I'm not talking about stoned. I'm talking about he was getting stoned by others and praying. Whew, that takes some kind of prayer. Peter prayed. Acts 8. Peter prayed for Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit. Thank God. Saul of Tarsus prayed after his conversion. Peter prayed before he raised Dorcas from the dead. You better. Cornelius prayed. Remember this name. Cornelius prayed that God would show him how to be saved. This is a Gentile, by the way. And I'm not talking about Corn Pop the Clown that's over there with the kids right now. I'm talking about Cornelius. Run it back. Okay. Cornelius prayed. And, and thank God he did. Peter prayed, and God told him to answer Cornelius' prayer. Thank God there was a man of God listening to God and willing to do things to move with God. And there was another man over here who did not, was not even able to get into the presence of God because he was a Gentile because of his roots of where he was born and how he was born and what he was born with. But there was a man over here in another city that heard God, brought him over to Cornelius, and now we get to be here. I'm thankful. Acts 10. Moving on. Here we go. You got it? I believe in you. Acts 12. The believers prayed for people, for Peter when he was in prison. They fasted and prayed before sending out Barnabas and Paul. Acts 16. They are praying and God opened Lydia's heart and thank God he did. She was a prominent woman in the city, and the moment after they prayed, God opened her heart, the gospel began to flood all through the city. Acts 16, on the way to prayer, Paul cast out a demon, cast a demon out of a girl. First, chapter 16 again, Paul and Silas were praying, and God opened the prison door. Some of us need to get out of prison. Paul prayed for his friends before leaving them, often. During a storm, Paul prayed for God's blessing. 28. After the storm, he prayed that God would heal a sick man, and he did. The farther we get from prayer, the farther we get from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not positioned to receive the promise because the promise comes with power. And if we're not in communication, in in community with one another, and we're not seeking his will, we're seeking our own. Therefore, it would ruin us if we got the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that, yes, at salvation we receive Jesus, but through prayer we are to daily receive Jesus and to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our heart with his inner working that only he can do. And, yes, if you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, yes, it's a one time that continues daily to commune with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to intervene, to transform, to work in my heart, because there's stuff in my heart that's keeping me from being prepared for the full promise. He's not trying to hurt anybody. He's trying to bless us, and we're we're fighting. 
Luke 3, 21, 22 says, When all the people were baptized, and it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized, and while he prayed, the heavens opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Y'all good? The Holy Spirit is a he upon him, Jesus, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. And by the way, like Jesus, if you've received Christ, if you've received, then it's time to get water baptized if you haven't been water baptized. And if you've been water baptized and you didn't realize that you, what you were doing when you said a prayer for salvation and you really, there was no transformation, no change, no heart change, and then you just got dunked, great, good job. You washed the filth off of you. Now it's time, time to watch the sin. You can register. We'll do it right here. It's going to be a beautiful time during worship. It's going to be a beautiful time on May 28th. Acts 4, 31 says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So many of us are so timid, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't have any words to say. I don't think anybody want to listen to me. You know, I get in those situations. I just get so nervous. I just don't, I don't know. No, because they prayed the place shook, the Holy Spirit fell, came upon them, and they were able, because of what he did, responding to their prayers, fervently seeking him, he gave them the words to speak, which is his promise, and they spoke the word with boldness. You can't get enough degrees to finally give you boldness. You can maybe fight your way out of an argument. But you won't be able to speak the word with boldness that moves lives and changes lives because it only comes through community with God, with others, prayer, and watching him move in you and then through you. So all through scripture we see heaven is waiting for one person on earth to agree with heaven and fervently seek God. So he will rend the heavens, and then the Lord will reveal himself here on earth. One person. One person to be devout. One person to pursue. One person to seek. One person to throw up supplications with thanksgiving. One person to be consistent, steadfast in prayer, to get, capture the heart of God in the heavens so that he can show up here on earth, and they will be in unity, in union with God through their fervent prayers. And because of their fervent prayers. I'll give you an example. Remember old Corn Pop? Not the one over there, Cornelius. Remember Cornelius? I talked about it a little while ago. Thank God that God heard his prayers. Cornelius, a Gentile, was fervent in prayers. Oh, it's gonna mess up some of y'all. And financial giving. This is why God heard his prayers. I see that you've been throwing up prayers and you've been generously giving to the poor. You've been generously giving to those who did not have. He says, I see that you carry a heart already of generosity so I can bless you. I will, in fact, I will open up the way to all of the Gentiles because you're not concerned just about yourself, you're concerned about the lost. 
Let me just wrap this in a little package. I can bless you and your heart and the things that I'm placing on your heart because I can finally see because of your generosity, you're not selfish in the blessings and in the power. I can move through you and we can bring people that are lost in your county, your city, your community because you'll be generous with what I bless you so that when they come, I can communicate with them too. I'm excited about that. Before we had Naomi, Allie and I knew. We knew it was time. We knew it was a time. She's our seven-year-old. She turns seven tomorrow. She was up here today. It, I love, I love the, the, her little testimony that's growing. But before we had her, we, it, God impressed upon her, it's time, time for y'all to start having a child. We practiced a lot. <laughs> so it was, it was perfect. They say practice makes perfect, you know. You... <laughs> so the time came. God put some things on our heart for our child, our first child. So he, we started praying these things for a child that we have, Lord, that, that they, they be full of the Spirit one day, be charismatic, be spontaneous with your presence, to be, to be worship leaders. This, this one to be a worship leader to lead people in your kingdom. That was our prayer. We went to one, on a mission trip. We go, we're in Honduras, and uh, the pastor and the pastor's wife, we told them at lunch, hey, we're, we're looking to have kids, and yada, yada, yada. And so they wanted to, out of the blue, ask us if they could bring us up to the platform, anoint us with oil, and pray over us. And so they came, they invited us up, pastor and pastor's wife got the oil, and started, uh, went and prayed over us, the whole church prayed over us. And let me just say, prayer works. That week, room 124, Naomi was on her way. It was a double mission. You never know when it turns into a double mission, but it worked out really well. But she has come out exactly as the person we prayed for. She loves to sing. We're at the rodeo last night, and when songs come up, she just runs up to the pole, and she just starts singing whatever she thinks the songs are going to say. And I love that. I love that because I love to see what we prayed and what God put on our heart to start to work up, to begin to move, uh, smooth out in her life. I love, the, I love the joy that she has. She has a lot of energy. She's very, very charismatic as we even prayed. But I love it that God does these things. He puts it in our hearts so that we will follow through with him. I could have easily said, okay, God, that's what you want. Okay, you're going to do it. But no. He says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you this thing, and then I'm going to cause you to pray for it so that as in our, in our fervent prayers, as we're pursuing him, we're actually, our hearts are being changed, our minds are being changed. I go and pray over her often that night, these very same prayers seven years later, so that the day that God begins to move in her, her life, I see graces on her life. I see favor on her life. I now can be in tune with what God is doing, so it's not about my will, but his will be done. This is why we pray, so that he can work his will through us. In prayers, he's helping us to offload burdens if we'll so choose to get out of the waiting and into the waiting so that he can transform our hearts and prepare our minds and strengthen us, our shoulders, for the power that we're going to carry because of his will and his power, the things he wants to do here on earth through us. So why did they wait? Why did Jesus make them wait 10 days? Like I said, they had no understanding of what Pentecost may be. There was no Pentecostal churches, by the way. It didn't exist. Why? This is a hard one. Why, Lord? Many of us are waiting 
Some of us are waiting in the why. Why did my parents divorce? Why did my father not stay around? What's wrong with me? Why did my brother get strung out on drugs? Why did my family members die? Young. Why did my mom get cancer? Twice. Why did I lose my job? Why did my marriage seem to struggle? Why? In the process of these whys, are you waiting, grumbling, somebody else's fault, throwing fits, spewing, gossiping? Or am I waiting, like, Lord, what do you need to do in my heart through this situation? What, it is that, what is it that you say about this situation? What is it you want me to do differently? Because apparently what I'm doing is not working. Lord, what is it in me that's not going to actually allow this thing to happen? Lord, change me, transform my heart. When my mother first got cancer a couple of years, a few years ago, it was hard. I had to go pick her up one morning because my stepfather can't carry her, take her straight to Tyler to the uh, emergency room. It's all but, I mean, death is everywhere on her. Eyes as black as can be. I mean, you just can't see anything. It's, Nothing but a little bit of soul and spirit in there. That's it. But I remember being in my upstairs room, in the upper room. I remember being in the upstairs room working out. And the Lord simply said, I've got her. Enough for me. Whole paradigm shifted. Whole thinking changed. Whole way of seeing the situation completely changed. I go from fear to faith, worry to anxiety to faith, to seeing her and reminding her, don't you give up looking in the depths of her soul. It's not over yet. You stay in there and you fight and you let the doctors do whatever they got to do, but you fight. Going in and seeing her in the hospital near dead, but seeing her as a resurrection to be. Because of the word that the Lord gave, not because of the situation. In the word that he gave, he changed my heart for the situation so that he could then change with the situation according to his will. Okay, <laughs> whatever you want, but I'm going to speak what you see, what you say. Why does he wait? Because he loves us. He's all-knowing. He's all-loving. The waiting that you're in is delayed by your waiting in the stuff that you continue to spew and not hand over and allow the transformation. But the waiting is purposed to strengthen you for the power that's going to be coming for you for the things that he's called you unto. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is hope that you can't see. I can't see it. Well, you better have hope. It'll strengthen your faith. Romans 8, 24, 25 says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Oh, you can see that million dollars over there and you, you think you're looking good? That's not hope. Oh, you need to have X amount to, have, to, have, to be happy? That's not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? 
but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with it for it for, with per- perseverance. And Paul writes earlier in 5, Romans 5, he says, with perseverance, rejoice in your trial. I'm just trying to persevere and have hope. Now you want me to rejoice? Like, come in and read, raise a hallelujah in the midst of my trial? Exactly. You want me to go and pray and spend time with you daily in the, in the situation that I'm going through right now? Yes. You want me to hand over the burdens and the fears and the anxieties, the hurts that they did? You don't know what they did. You know what they did to me? Yes. And then he says, it'll prove your character. I'm just working things out in the waiting to get you out of you so I can get me in you to strengthen you for the power that's going to come. Then comes perseverance now when the trials come, because they're going to come when you're walking in my will and you're fulfilling the, what, the details of my kingdom. They're going to come, but you're not ready if you're always bickering and complaining and whining and throwing fits. You're not ready. I don't want to hurt you. So you don't receive the promise. Lamentations 3, 26, said it is good that one should hope and wait quietly. I mean, it's hard to be in the room with some people. It's just, ooh, just la 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 Like, oh, good Lord, have you taken that to prayer? Yes, it can't tell. <laughs> Cannot tell. Because you're walking it around everywhere you go. And you're like, wait quietly. Like some of you are like, in the other room. Because when you walk in the room, you just carry it all over you without saying a thing. There's tension all over you, just like a, relax. Jesus went to the cross for that. And if you have, or you think you have everything, then you will have hope for no thing. If your life is like, I'm good, I'm good, then you got no hope. You've got no vision, one, because if you think you're good, you're not carrying the heart of, of God in any, life, any part of your life, because he's got more. He desires more. He's pursuing it. He's taking you on to more. He's not in retirement mode. He hadn't retired yet. He's got the great, greatest retirement plan, by the way, but he is not in retirement mode. So why does God want us to hope? He's building our faith, but there's a key. He's actually building your relationship with him. That's how he builds your faith to build relationship with him and with others because it's going to take others to fulfill his actual will and for his kingdom. It's going to take the ability to navigate situations and relational issues and circumstances with others. So you got to get you out of you because that ain't proven character whenever you're messing up everything because of this. Because it's in here. We got to wait a little bit more. You got to wait. Let me give you a scenario. Abraham and Sarah, God made them wait 25 years for the promise, two reasons. They wouldn't have been able to handle the promise until they waited the appointed amount of time. 11 years in, Sarah goes, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I know he said there's a promise, I can do this, I've got this. Let me help God. I've got a maid, she's looking really cute right now. She may not always look cute, so Abraham, why don't you sleep with her, lay down with her, y'all have a child, and maybe that'll be the promise. So they weren't ready for the promise. So they had to continue to wait. 
And in their own doing, they just stirred up more problems from themselves and us, more problems than were necessary if they would have just waited on God and allowed him to work the stuff out of them for his purposes. This is why. Same in business, same in ministry, any realm. Lord, I know you're going to bless this. I know you're going to bless this. I'm pursuing God. I'm passionate for God. I just want what you want, Lord. I just want to be Cornelius. I want to be corn pop. I want to be generous. I want to use whatever it is to bless others. And then God begins to give you a little nugget. He gave you a little nugget, a little blessing. I bless you. And it's so much more than what you had. And you're like, oh, hallelujah. I done arrived. I'm just too busy to show up now. I can barely go to church. I can't serve. I just can't serve right now. I can't, I can't show up in those events. I'm just too busy. Passion is gone. I'm barely showing up for prayer. I'm not even praying. I got too many problems. Employees don't show up. I got all these problems now. Oh, it sounds like you're waiting. Oh, you forgot how to wait. Oh, you thought that was the promise? That's just a nugget. That was just a little test. There's so much more that God has. But will you... Will you come back to him, your first love, begin to pursue him like you were whenever you desired for him to bless that thing? Because that's what God is trying to strengthen, is trying to stretch out. He's trying to stretch out the capacity for you to be able to continue to pursue him passionately, prayer and supplication with him, with others, however that looks, as he's blessing you along the way. As he's expanding your territory. So they weren't ready. Sometimes we'll even say, God is building my faith, brother. Oh, and we say, oh, well, he's just building your faith. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He's just building your faith. No, we need to change that. Well, that's evidence. So it seems like he's trying to build a relationship with you. It seems like he's trying to strengthen your relationship with others. You're going through it because your relationship is not where he wants it to be. Oh, you think you're good? It's not where he wants it to be. Oh, you think you're good with others? It's not where he wants it to be. Because there's some things, obviously, on the other side of this adversity that, that's being, it's being blocked. There's some blessings on, this side of, on the other side of this adversity. And until you start to do it his way and see things his way, you're not ready to receive the, the blessings because you're not ready to pursue through the adversity according to his will. Letting your character be proven according to his ways. Oh, you're good, fam? Same in ministry. But here's the question, why did God tell them to, uh, to 25 years before giving them the promise? God knew it would take them 25 years of knowing and waiting and hoping to have enough maturity to handle this. How long you've been waiting? And is it delayed by your waiting? So, what is your grumbling, worrying, sad, or st stirring, uh, stirring with negative emotions towards someone or something else? What has, have you, what has you waiting through the waters. Too many people began with passion, have become distracted and lost passion in the pursuit. What got you where you are is the passion. What will get you out of now where you currently are is the passion. So that was number one, sorry, it's long. Number two is this, even though he doesn't own a watch, his timing is perfect. The promise would come 25 years after receiving the promise, Isaac was born, and it was the day when Isaac was matured enough, has matured enough that Abraham sent his servant 
to a specific town with a specific well to find a specific woman. And it was at that time specifically that he was sent, he showed up, same time of day at the well. Rebecca, the future wife of Isaac, showed up with the same character in which Abraham wanted for his son, and boom, his timing was perfect. This is what I was trying to get you to wait on. It's perfect, and God sees things differently than we see them. As a father, I'm trying to navigate things for my child, both of my children. I want to bless one so that it blesses the other. I want to bless this one so it affects this one and my wife as well. I got my family in mind. And God has the same. We're all his children. He knows what this one needs. He knows what this, where this one's at. He knows what he's blessed this one with to provide for these. He knows these people who are not in the kingdom yet. They need to come to church. They need to have find a place that's life-giving. They need health. They need freedom. They need to be delivered. Some need salvation. He finds the Corneliuses in the house, and he says, hey, can I talk with you? Can I work with you? We see it from such a small level, and he's like, hey. If you'll pray, I'll give you some things that are on your heart. I'll put some things on your heart. I'll challenge it to see because I'm going to bless you. You think you've got to give some things up. I'm trying to bless you because I want to bless these people over here. Oh, come on. I'm, I, don't, I, I, have, I have extended grace, received too much grace from you guys. Thank you. I'm sorry I stayed so long. Number one most important thing is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And my second, my personal question is, are you waiting in the W-A-D-I-N-G? Are you waiting? Are you truly waiting? Lord, what do I need to do differently? What area of my heart are you trying to take? What do you need to heal? What do I need to do differently? How do I need to handle these situations? How should I handle these conversations? How should I handle these relationships? How should I handle this business? How should I handle this finance? How should I handle this? So, Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are a resurrector of anything that looks like it's dead. Thank you that you are not a one-time God, but you are time and 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 time again. And Lord, all you're looking for is a heart that's willing to repent and turn and pursue you yet again with the same passion in which we started in the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.